people retiring from uh, the police service can be faced with something that is absolutely terrifying to them. You know, what on earth am I going to do with my life now? And there can be a tendency to, to rush into something, to try and find something to replace that as quickly as possible. And that may or may not be the something that is right for them. There's nothing wrong with just taking time to take stock, enjoy a little bit of the honeymoon, as you were talking about. You know, Enjoy having the day to yourself to be able to do what you want around the house or go on holiday or whatever. And take some time to think about what is the right thing for you, not just what is the easiest thing for you to do. If you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering your career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Labrum. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers podcast. Now, don't forget you can get your free emergency services guide to LinkedIn by going to www.bluelightleavers.com. If you're approaching retirement from policing, law enforcement, or any of the emergency services, or if you've retired, you've had your second career, and now you're looking to retire fully, then this podcast is for you. Now, if you're anything like me towards the end of my service, you'll be feeling really apprehensive and unsure about what the future holds. Now, whether it's that loss of identity, that status, the loss of financial security, and are you actually ready to leave? Are you leaving on an ill health pension? And what about those friendships and support network that you've developed over the years? It's a really worrying time. So today I'm speaking to Anne Canning and Nigel Pacey. They're both experts in helping people transition and bridge that gap towards a happy and healthy second or third career or retirement. Now, during this interview, we talk about how a retirement life plan came about. We discuss the typical issues and pitfalls faced by those at the end of their service. And they give hints and tips on finding that next role. We also talk about the importance of values, purpose and meaning. We discuss lifelong learning and they give key messages and success stories. And they talk about how they can help you. So if you're approaching the end of your service or you're retiring on ill health, or you're looking at full-time retirement, this podcast will definitely help you. Let's go over to Anne and Nigel now. Hello, both. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you very much for agreeing to be interviewed on the Blue Light Leavers podcast. It's really good of you. And I think you've got some fantastic information to share, Um, particularly for those who are coming up towards the end of their service. and are a little bit concerned about um, you know, how retirement from either the police or other emergency services is going to pan out for them. Um, you know, having been, sometimes people talk about being institutionalized. I think it's a bit harsh sometimes, but you know, you're so used to being in that family, in that environment for so many years and working with certain people. And uh, you know, I know how I felt at the end of my service. I really was very concerned and, and very worried about what I was going to do and how I was going to bring some money in. And um, you know, obviously we've spoken prior to this podcast and I think you are really in a great position to be able to help people so uh, who are in that position and also those who who maybe are looking at, at full retirement as well and, and have maybe left the emergency services and taken on a second career and then are approaching the time when they actually want to retire full time. So, uh, so it's fantastic to have you both here. Thank you very much. It'd be great to know a little bit more about your backgrounds and then, obviously, you can talk through a retirement life plan with this as well. That'd be fantastic. Okay, shall I kick off? I, my name's Nigel Pacey, as you, you mentioned. I worked in social housing for 25 years, so in housing associations, providing homes for people uh, who didn't have the chance of buying one themselves. Uh, and as a housing director, I was responsible for delivering, making sure those services were delivered. I... Uh, I actually had a stroke in uh, 2011 and it uh, incapacitated me for a number of months and the work I was in was very stressful and I really didn't want to go back into a stressful environment. So I I retired from that way of life, from social housing. Uh, And at that point, I had to decide what to do next. And working with individuals, helping people to develop one-to-one was what I'd enjoyed most about my work. So I, I retrained as a personal coach and set up my own business, uh, providing coaching and leadership services back to organisations in the social housing field. It was some time after that um, that I realised that I'd actually retired 
and I'd moved into a second career mm. um, and read some about retirement and third life and second careers and thought, you know, this is really what I'm here for. This is, if you like, my calling. It's to help other people who are going through similar kinds of experiences to be able to get the most out of their life. Um, and so that's what I've been doing for the last few years. Fantastic. Thank you, Nigel. And how about you? What's your background? How did you end up where you are now? So uh, a bit like Nigel, I'd say I'm probably in my third career now, which is sort of where I wanted to be at this stage of life. So I spent the first 20 years in a corporate environment, firstly in IT and projects, uh, mostly at least half of it in leadership management development as part of HR. And one of my tiny little jobs, side jobs in that, was running pre-retirement programs. So in a way, I've sort of come full circle. So I did that until um, just before 40, and I retired. Uh, but I didn't. I actually wanted to do something else. I wanted a separate career. So I left corporate work. I set up my own business doing leadership management and coaching. So coaching other people to coach was a huge part of it, but also lots of leadership management um, materials to all sorts of people, during which time I've worked with the police, I've worked with fire services, all sorts of different people. And that really has been brilliant. It's given me some amazing skills to coach and develop people. But actually, that's not what I wanted to do in terms of turning up at a corporate place every day. Um, running a corporate program. I'd like to do the coaching side more. And through something we'll talk about perhaps in a moment about how this came about, mm -hmm. is I've sort of come back full circle. Um, so I'm pulling together all the coaching, the leadership, all the career planning work that I used to do, and now the retirement on top. And this is my third career. Brilliant. And this is that what we call that third age or mid, uh, late life career. That will see me through, I hope until I full-time retire at some point in the future. So I guess what Nigel and I are saying is, to some extent, we're in the place that quite a few people listening to this probably want to be. Absolutely. Which is in that, that third career or final career stage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the great thing as well is that, you know, you've been there and, and done it. You've both had, you know, pressured roles and... Um, You've taken on other careers after that as well and, and other interests and progressed those. And, and that's what a lot of us want to do. You know, when we come towards the end of our service, it's what can we do next? And I know this is your area of expertise, you know, particularly around, um, you know, the sort of the typical challenges faced by, you know, police and other emergency services, pretty much anyone, I guess, towards the, uh, the end of a, of a lengthy career. Um, so talk about what you're currently doing now. Liz, you know, give us a bit more information about what it is that you currently do and how it came about, please. Shall I talk about the background? You can talk about what we're doing. Uh, we, right. like, we like to do everything evenly. So how, how this, really, this, this particular aspect came about really was one of those accidental things that you were probably looking for. You didn't know you were looking for. So I met someone called Pauline uh, Johnson uh, five odd years ago. And she, we met through coaching. And I was coaching her. And she was looking for someone to help her develop a coaching program because she had left the world of psychometrics and left the world of occupational psychology to focus on retirement transition. So she was doing her PhD on it, realized she'd stumbled across some very key work, something that didn't seem to be out there very much, which I would still agree with, and wanted to train people to coach it. She doesn't want to do the coaching herself. She's a researcher, an academic. She wanted, she felt to help other people to use this material. So I helped her develop some coaching. And then I just said to her, I need someone to come and do a, an evening speaking for me, a little bit like we're doing now. Would you like to come along and talk about it? Uh, and she said, yes. Um, I actually couldn't make that evening, ironically, but that's when Nigel turned up. Uh, and listened to, to Pauline's work. And then afterwards, Pauline said, I think you two need to meet each other. And mm. um, so we have not only developed, we've also done and qualified in the retirement well-being transfer coaching material. Brilliant. So we're trained in it. On to, so it's specialist training. 
on top of our general leadership and coaching background. Fantastic. That's but really I, I, good. We've got to where we, we are right now. Nigel, talk about what we do. So what, what we do is um, is geared to helping people to um, have a successful retirement in terms of their well-being. Uh, and that's their physical well-being as well as their mental well-being. Um, and as Polly was saying, you know, it's very much a transition from uh, a place of work to a place of retirement. And there possibly, you know, for people retiring from the police force, uh, it's a kind of double transition for many of you. It's a transition from the police force to a, an interim career and then eventually from that career into retirement. Uh, so it's a kind of a double whammy that, that people are having to cope with. Um, we, we aim to help people to understand what retirement is about in psychological terms. Um, so we do a, an introduction to uh, retirement, which takes people at a fairly rapid pace over a space of two hours through all of the material that, that we uh, train on. Um, and then after that, if people uh, are inclined and they're interested in doing more and feel it would be helpful to them, we can offer one-to-one -one coaching programs or we can offer a longer program of workshops which look in much more depth at the things that we talked about in, in the introduction workshop, um, which because it covers such a, uh, a wide range of, of issues, uh, it, it is only a superficial exercise, mm -hmm. but it does give people a really good sense of what are the issues that I need to think about in retirement over and above the financial aspects that most people will, will think about or do some work on anyway. So what do you tend to find are the common patterns and pitfalls then for people who are approaching the end of their service or, or, or retirement? I think one of the most common things that people experience um, is a sense of loss. And, uh, you know, when I stopped being a housing director, um, when I introduced myself to people, I would still introduce myself as a housing director, which I wasn't anymore. Uh, you know, I was either unemployed or retired at that time. Um, but because we identify so strongly with the kind of work that we do, our identity is bound up with that work. Um, when we retire from that work, it's a loss. We've lost, we've lost something of our identity. We've lost something of the status and authority that, that comes with that. And, you know, if that was difficult for me uh, in social housing, it's doubly difficult for people uh, who are in the police force or other emergency services because that, the nature of your work means that you, are, um, you form a much stronger bond with each other and identify much more with the, the work that you're doing as a vocation. So that sense of loss will be or can be much stronger for people retiring from the service than for other people. But it's, it's, it's there nevertheless. Mm. And, you know, talk to people who have retired and they say, you know, I wake up on the day after I've retired and I think, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? So they've not just lost the status and the identity, but they've lost the structure and the routines and knowing what to do with their life. All of that's just been taken away from them yeah. at, at a stroke almost. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I know how I felt. It felt fantastic for the first little while. And actually, I was, I was really looking forward to it. And, you know, I've, I've said before that um, I was really looking forward to developing another career and, and just seeing how far I could go and push myself and just see what was out there, you know. Um, but after a few weeks, in fact, probably wasn't a few weeks, maybe after even a few days, exactly said, I start, I really started to, to feel completely different. And it was, it was what have I done? It was a really strange feeling, you know, and I had no say in it. I came to the end of my service and that was that. Um, and I know lots of other people feel the same thing. You know, it's almost like you, you have this honeymoon period where you feel fantastic for a while and then you suddenly go, ah, oh, right, what now? So, so what can people do about that? Um, there's, there's a couple of things we talk about. This loss thing is, is key. So one of the things is to be very clear what it is that your current work gives you. And over and it pays the bills or whatever. It, it's about 
what does it give you in terms of purpose, meaning? Um, and particularly if people who work in emergency services are often very highly driven by contribution, by doing things which help other people, by duty, service. And those, if they're the things that get you out of bed and that disappears, that will need replacing. So spending a bit of time thinking, what is it that drives me to do? What, what got me to sign up to this? Um, and even if you're actually feeling a little bit world weary with the job, because we do know after a period of time, you can feel a bit sort of, I can't wait to move on. Um, essentially, that is still feeding you with a lot of things that are probably very important to you. It's taking a little bit of time to think about what those are and then how can you recreate those? How can you find those again in a different way? So if people are looking for a second career, um, what sort of things should they be looking for then? You, you've said that they should be looking for things that almost mirror the, the things that you enjoyed most about your previous career. Um, so where do you tend to find people tend to migrate towards from, from careers that they've done previously and then their second career, what do they tend to migrate towards? And are there, is there any hints and tips that you could give people for, you know, to, to help them with that transition? I think it's very easy to, to list your transferable skills. And I know you do some really good work on helping people realise what amazing transferable skills they've got. And it's very easy to just take the skills. What we would say is you spend a little bit of time about what, what are those you which things are important for you to use again so is it a sense of belonging is it the sense that you're um contributing to society is it a sense you're helping other people so i'll give you a really short example uh a guy called bernie that we worked with and well bernie was one of the i'm never going to retire which is one of the stories we hear sometimes i'm going to carry on working forever uh, and some of the some people listening to this might be feeling like that you know, I'm going to carry on working. It's, it's good for me. I like it. I enjoy it. I need the, the friendship, whatever. Um, but actually, life events will take over for you sometimes. So what Bernie found was that uh, even though he'd already changed, made, and it was only his third career already, he'd been in the army, then he'd been a long-distance lorry driver, and then he'd been a local lorry driver, um, and he was going to carry on doing that stuff. Unfortunately, his wife fell ill, and then he suddenly needed to retire to look after her. So life caught up with them, and this is a common story. And one of the things we know is that uh, retirement that's less planned is usually more challenging in terms of the transition. Suddenly his wife didn't live very long, um, and he then found himself retired, <laughs> uh, more or less unplanned. His wife's illness had filled that short-term gap, and now it was very empty. His transferable skills are driving, but actually what he realised was more important to him is he'd also spent a lifetime of helping other people. Mm. That's what he really enjoyed. And that's the purpose and meaning bit. So he said, well, how do I do the driving? Because that's a transferable skill. And how do I combine that with what I really enjoy, which is helping other people? Yeah. Which he'd done outside of his working life. And so he's become a volunteer driver for people who need hospital points and things. It gives him some structure. The most important thing it gives him is pleasure of getting up in the morning and going to do something. Yeah, that sense of purpose as well. Yeah. So what are your thoughts, Nigel? I, one, of the, one of the tips that I would give people is not to rush into things. Um, you know, as you were saying, people retiring from uh, the police service can be faced with something that is absolutely terrifying to them. You know, what on earth am I going to do with my life now? Um, and there can be a tendency to, to rush into something, to try and find something to replace that as quickly as possible. Um, and that may or may not be the something that is right for them. There's nothing wrong with just taking time to take stock, enjoy a little bit of the honeymoon, as you were talking about. You know, enjoy having, having the day to yourself to be able to do what you want around the house or go on holiday or whatever. Um, and take some time to think about what is the right thing for you, not just what is the easiest thing for you to do. Uh, and, you know, the easiest thing for a police officer to get into security work or something like that. And for many people, that's absolutely the wrong thing because it's not going to provide the meaning and the purpose 
that they've, they've lost from leaving the police service. Yeah. So take your time and think it through rather than jumping too quickly. No, you're absolutely right. And I, and I cover exactly that. You know, when I sit down with people and one of the things I get them to do is to actually write down what it was that they, almost why they joined the job and what it is that they enjoy doing most and what was it that gave them most fulfillment um, and some things about, you know, what were they most proud of and then look at roles that can potentially give them the similar sort of feeling or the same feeling, that sense of achievement, that sense of purpose, uh, that, potentially a vocation, you know, all the positive things that you join for, try and find that in that second career, be it mid-service or, or in retirement, you know. So, and if you can add some, some I hate the word transferable skills as people who listen to these podcasts will very well know, but the, you know, who, who have those skills and that experience that can map across. And if you yeah. can match that with something that you really enjoy doing, and then you have the added benefit of spending more time with the family, not having to work weekends, bank holidays, Christmas, birthdays, all that sort of stuff. Then it's a real win-win. Um, now I know you don't give financial advice, and I don't want us to go down that route. But for those people that um, do have concerns around, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to maintain this lifestyle, which must be something that you come across an awful lot? What advice, hints, and tips have you got for them? Um, it's, it's interesting because one of the ways people look at this is a continuation, and picking up on Nigel's point about actually just taking some time to think it through, is think about what actually lifestyle do you need, not just want. Because actually, yeah, if you're just going to be chasing uh, the next pay packet, as it were, then chances are you're not going to be making all of the best decisions. So taking that time to sit back and say, actually, how do I want this to be, you know, it would be good to spend some holidays with the family because if you've been working shift work, for example, that's a bit of a luxury. So what do you want this lifestyle to be like? Within that, think through who's in here, who's in this lifestyle with me and what do I need for that as well? So it's much more than just thinking about what I'll do when I get up in the morning, um, you know, how much do I need to earn? It's actually about the quality of life. And yeah. within comes who's in there and how do I spend time with them. So we often recommend people spend a little bit of time thinking about uh, their partners, the rest of people in their family, the people that are important to them, and have some conversations with them. What would they like to see different? What do they see this as an opportunity to be? And some of that will actually help you shape what you want to go and do. Mm-hmm. And don't to experiment so there is this you know retire on a friday start the next job on the monday take that gap talk to the significant other people in your in your life um, and find out what they would like from it as well because this is a new opportunity don't be frightened to experiment if you do take a role and you find out it's not for you don't be frightened to move on it, it was one of the things that, that faced me when I retired from social housing. You know, I, I was on a seriously good package uh, when I was working full time. Um, and then all of a sudden um, that had disappeared. Uh, and I initially started looking for jobs that were going to replace that because I'd been used to a certain lifestyle. I'd been used to a certain level of income coming in. And the... The tendency is to think, oh, my God, I need to replace that. How am I going to live if I don't have that money? Um, But the reality is it's different. Uh, As um, Anne says, it's it's partly about what you want to do with your life. Um, And so, you know, you may be spending less money. People who retire tend to spend less money than than other uh, people who are working full time. So it's likely that you'll find yourself needing less money uh, when you're retired. And if you're, if you're deciding to, to work in the interim, then you'll be bringing in money anyway to top up uh, whatever your pension is from the police service. The, the most important thing that people can do, I think, is to get some independent fin- financial advice, to understand exactly what their package, their pension pot will provide for them. Um, and then do a piece of work, as Anne was saying about, what do I want my lifestyle to be like? 
and how much is that going to cost and will the money that I've got coming in pay for that lifestyle? And it probably will. No, that's brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, now, we have a fair few members of the group that had um, retirement sort of forced upon them through ill health. And obviously, Nigel, you went through a, a similar sort of thing, obviously, um, you know, with a stroke, um, you know, back in 2011. So, um, you know, for those in particular, it can be very, very challenging. You know, they retire um, on a pension that would be less than their, than their full pension, depending on, you know, when it is that the, the ill health retirement takes place. Um, and also they've got some real concerns and potentially some accessibility needs, um, you know, with new employers. Um, have you any sort of messages or anything at all to tell this group of people, those that have, have had to retire through ill health? I was, I mean, given a background in, in HR, one of the things I'd always work with people is, is be realistic about what you need, be honest about what you need, and push yourself a little bit. We can all do probably a little bit more than we think we can if we push ourselves with the right support. Put a support network in place. One of the things that a lot of people who've listened to this probably experienced is a high level of support in their work environment, not just formally, but informally from people you work with, people you've known for many, many years probably. And one of the issues about retiring or moving out of a long-term employment, particularly something as intensive as uh, the emergency services, is that you lose that. We know that work relationships are very particular. They are quite difficult to recreate. They are highly supportive. So be honest with yourself. Assess what you need. Be honest with any uh, future employer in terms of what you need. If you've got the right skills and the right attitude, one of the things that lots of people bring from this type of background is service, they bring loyalty, uh, they bring lots of things that employers can't buy easily mm. and certainly can't train easily. So for that, tell people what it is you need and take that little bit of time perhaps to rest up, perhaps to improve, perhaps to rethink but also don't limit yourself and watch out for that network that goes around. So make sure you've got, you start here before, if you can, that network, start looking around outside of your work life, who's there for you. Yes. And I think that is so important. Um, and, and I'm saying this uh, as a man, um, you know, we, we're not good at asking for help and, what I found when I uh, was thinking about setting up my own business, every person that I went to for advice or help was more than willing to give me that advice, help and support. Um, and I'm, this is a guess, this is a stereotype on my part, but I'm guessing that men retiring from the police force um, will be even less likely to want to ask people for help and support. But recognise that yeah, we all need help with various things, and other people are usually more than happy to give that help. And the other thing I would say is don't, don't limit yourself. Uh, if you have got ill health, if you have got some kind of disability, don't let that stop you from doing things. Um, you know, there's all sorts of uh, ways that you can get support and help from employers and others financially and otherwise and it's amazing what people can continue to do even with a physical disability or ill health yeah absolutely right um how about the importance of lifelong learning yeah shall i start yeah, lifelong learning your pet subject yeah <laughs> this uh, this for me is so so important um because and mentioned earlier the the thing about the idea of the third life, the third age. And uh, it used to be thought, you know, when, when we were all young, that, um, you know, you grew up, you had your education, you had your career, you retired, and then you went into ill health and you popped your clogs uh, very shortly afterwards. But the changes in, uh, in medicine um, and other changes in society have now meant that there's a, a third age in between there. So in between your first career and your decline into old age, 
there's probably a period of 20 to 30 years now where people have got an opportunity for, for a second phase of growth. So we, we refer to it as the third age uh, and the third life. And in that third life, people have got a real opportunity to learn new things, to develop themselves personally. And that's one of the things that brings the meaning and purpose to life that, that Anne was talking about earlier. And it brings such a level of satisfaction and fulfillment um, when people do allow themselves to do that. And if people don't go in for personal development and learning, then we, we've discovered from the, I think it was the Baltimore Longitudinal Study, that um, people who don't go in for that tend to decline more rapidly in later life. So it keeps you going for longer as well. And are there any particular, um, do you tend to find that people that you work with are there any particular courses that they like to do? Could it be sort of, you know, IT related or is it career related or is it a whole mix and match? Yeah, it's a whole range of things. You know, I was working with one guy who had worked in a building society all of his life uh, and was looking forward to retirement <clears throat> because uh, when he was at university, he'd done a creative arts degree and had lost all of that and desperately wanted to get back into doing something creative. It was... Uh, he was having lessons to learn how to play the piano uh, and he was taking up art again. Uh, so you get people doing that and you get people doing uh, vocational uh, training and qualifications. A guy uh, who was a, who'd been an IT project manager um, who uh, decided that in his retirement, what was going to give him meaning and purpose was to do the kind of things I was talking about, working with individual people. So he decided he wanted to train as a trainer to train people in IT project management because that's what, what he got a buzz from. Brilliant. Yeah, I love that. And not just on a you know, personal level. Um, you know, I've done a few courses having left uh, the police service. and um, But my biggest achievement is actually um, playing the drums. And I've yeah. always wanted to be a drummer. Yeah. And um, I didn't pick up a, a set of drumsticks until I retired. And then, um, you know, I've never had a lesson. If you ask my other band members, they'll, they'll probably say, yeah, we know. <laughs> but, the, uh, you know, now we, we, you know, we do weddings and parties and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, you know, the opportunities, um, you know, for me, I guess it's, it's sort of my second you know, life, if you like. And, uh, you know, having a 30-year career in the police. But then, you know, a load of doors opened. And, and you know, I graduated for the first time at, at 53. Mm. And, you know, in, incredible opportunities. And I think it's, it's you know, people, have been, I was really worried. And it has been nothing but positive. You know, I've been so, so fortunate. And, and I, you know, why I wanted to speak to you both was to get that over to people who are listening to this that actually, you know, look at it. This is a phenomenal opportunity you've got now. It really is, you know, from, um, you know, don't worry, things will work out and yeah. you'll find that doors will open. You'll make new friends. There'll be different relationships. There'll be new skills and experiences that you can pick up. You'll have more opportunity to spend, you know, time with your family, that sort of thing. So, it's a really worrying time, but it can also be an opportunity, a massive opportunity and, and a yeah. really good period of growth, you know, so it's Absolutely. Um, fantastic. Yeah. Um, now, I know you've got some, some amazing case studies. You've had some, some great success as well, haven't you? So you just give us a few examples of, of, uh, of your success stories. That'd be fantastic. Shall I start with Norman and Penny? Because I think they're, uh, Norman and Penny are my go-to examples because pretty much any, any of the issues that we tend to come across, Norman and Penny had them. Uh, so the thing about Norman and Penny is they didn't retire at the same time uh, and this is often one of the things that comes up is people's in, in, a, in a partnership people's lives being at slightly different stages and what that does to you so actually Penny had retired first and there is there is some evidence that women don't always find some of the same issues because their careers tend to be much more disruptive uh, that is changing over time um, certainly so generally true and so she, she made transition very easily she had lots of hobbies and things she wanted to do she had her life sorted out and um, Norman on the other hand five years behind her um, quite a stressful job very demanding job lots of shift work uh, and lots of outside interests but, but very focused and demanding and so he did all his planning certainly all his financial planning 
And he was very clear about what their life would be like. Unfortunately, he didn't talk to Penny in all of that. And because he managed a large team of people towards the end, he was very used to telling people what to do. Uh, and so by the time I worked with them, uh, it was Penny who was saying to me, I don't know what to do with them. Uh, and we basically had to sit down and unpick this. Uh, and he just assumed that this wonderful life, and it, well, they were comfortably off, um, but she would just fall into line with it. It was further exacerbated by the fact. So, so we spent some time unpicking all of that. You know, they had different routines, different paces of life. Um, so some of the work we sometimes do with people is helping understand what sort of person they are. Um, and some people like a rapid, busy pace of life. And other people like things at a slower pace. And Penny definitely liked things in a routine, at a slow pace. She liked predictable. Uh, and Norman's idea of a great life was to wake up and go, right, let's jump on a plane. Let's do, let's... Uh. And because he could do that at work, it hadn't been a problem before. So we really had to talk about expectations, lifestyle planning, all of those things... Uh, and Norman did end up taking on a part-time job just to channel all of this energy. And he took on a physical job, which is unusual someone at uh, late 50s. He took on a physical job because he wanted to channel that energy mm. uh, and give Penny some peace. Mm. That's always my favourite one because it covers so many bases. How about yeah, and I, I, I can tell you about a, uh, a chap I worked with called George who... Um, had had a long career in social services. He'd been a, a bereavement counsellor working with um, young people uh, who'd lost uh, people close to them. Um, and initially he went through the honeymoon period when he retired. He thought, yeah, this is great. I can do what I want. I can uh, do the uh, vegetables in the garden. I can go and visit my children in different parts of the country wherever I want to. I can go out and take the dog for long walks. This is great, fantastic. Um, and that was fine for a year or two. And then he began saying, um, you know, I'm, this just isn't doing it for me. Uh, yeah, I'm having fun. It's great having all this leisure time. But it's that thing about, and was talking about meaning and purpose, that he'd lost the meaning in his life that his job had previously given him. He was doing great work with people and really contributing to society. And now that had been one of his strongest values. And now he wasn't living, fulfilling that value. Um, and uh, he didn't want to go back into a full-time paid job. He was still relatively young, about 58 at that time. Um, and uh, thought about doing part-time paid work, but actually um, he wasn't, really wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And it took some time to work through this with him. Uh, and he's got to the point where he's got um, uh, what we call a, a portfolio career, um, a number of different things that he does. So he's, um, <laughs> he's chair of the, the village uh, gardening club. He runs the village uh, wine tasting society. Um, he volunteers at a food bank. And he helps out with uh, people in the locality around where he lives uh, with shopping and things like that. He's, he's helping people out, but in a purely voluntary way. And that's satisfying the need that he has for meaning and purpose. But he's no need for the money, so he doesn't, he doesn't need to, to work to bring in the pennies. Um, he can just do, do what he enjoys doing. And he's loving life. Brilliant. I think actually, Nigel brought out really key things. You have what practical things can people do? Yeah. We've talked about meaning and purpose, but behind that is this, these values. So what is really important to you? What are your values? And for those who are going to move into this third age career, as we call it, any work which meets your values, that, that's going to be far more satisfying than just something that puts money in the bank at the end of the day. Yeah, without a doubt. And we speak um, about that an awful lot. You're absolutely yeah. right, Anne. Yeah. And if, and if for some people, and I guess when you've been around in an organisation a long time, you've maybe 
shifted jobs within that organisation quite a lot. You had a number of different roles. And it might well be some people are now in a role they're not particularly keen on. It's, it's irksome. This is your opportunity to go back to what you really enjoy, what makes you true to who you are. Mm. You know, I started out in IT. I am the last person who should be working in IT for all sorts of obvious reasons, um, mm. not least because there is, in the pure sense, not much people contact in, in the pure part that I did. Actually, that's the bit that I enjoy. The mm. bit I really enjoyed in that was actually going around talking to people. Tell me about your job. Tell me how you do things. Because at the time I was converting um, manual systems to automated systems. Tell me about your work. Talk to me about what's important about it. Uh, And then I dehumanized it (laughs) because that was my job. Mm. And that was soul destroying for me. It it paid extremely well, but it was soul destroying. And that was when I realized I needed to get into something. Maybe want to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, yeah. So and mentioning IT takes me back to the guy I was talking about a, a while ago. Um, he'd been an IT project manager. He really didn't want to do that any longer. His his partner wasn't due to retire for another five years, which is quite often the case. Um, and he was struggling with what to do. And we he hit upon this idea of um, getting into training people in IT project management. And what that allowed him to do was to get the meaning and purpose that he he wanted through that work of helping other people to do their job. And at the same time, allowed him the free time to spend on renovating the boat that he'd bought uh, as a kind of a hobby, which um, provided a different kind of satisfaction altogether uh, and was going to take him up to the point where his, his partner retired. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. I think it's a great idea as well. And you know, there's a few people um, within the Brilliant Leavers Facebook group who've done exactly that. You know, they've, they've developed right. careers based on skills and experience that they've got previously, either as consultants or um, as, as coaches, that sort of thing. And and it does allow them that little bit of flexibility. And, and you know, it's mm. a great thing. And, you know, as you said earlier, it's it's the opportunities really are endless. And it's it's a case of just, you know, don't be worried. Don't worry about it. Things will work out. We just need to put some things in place. And, and mindset is a huge part of that, which I know is obviously where, where yeah. you come in. Um, so in terms of key messages then, just as we start to finish, um, what key messages would you like to get over to people and what action can they take if they're coming up towards the end of their service? And obviously, how can they connect with you? So there's three things there, really. But yeah, so uh, what are those key messages? Key messages. Hmm. Don't rush into things. Uh, as you've said a couple of times, Andy, it will be all right. Take your time uh, and work out what's going to be the best thing for you uh, in the in the coming uh, five, ten years, whatever. Um, certainly don't rush into anything. Think through what's going to give you the meaning in your life in the coming years that you've had so far through your pr- profession. And one thing we haven't touched on very much is about the other people involved, you know, there'll be friends, there'll be family, there'll be your partner. And as Anne said earlier, you might have ideas in your head for how you want to do things. They may not agree with that. Uh, So there may be some negotiation needs to go on there about how your relationships are going to be going forward. Yeah. And I think, again, something we haven't talked about a great deal, but is very key, particularly for people being in an occupation for a long time, is something called readiness to leave. So actually being in your own mind, ready to say goodbye to some of these things. Uh, and often people aren't really aware of that until the goodbye comes. So we've spoken a lot about the looking forward, the preparation, the planning, all the work you do there. There is an element about letting go and you know it is almost like a bereavement as much as you wish it some of those friendships won't keep up with you and it's a weird thing but uh, if some of those friendships are still employed in that organization and you're moving on more and more you'll have less and less in common a few will survive lots don't Uh, and, and actually being okay with that 
And so some just asking yourself things like, you know, have I done all I wanted to do? You can even test yourself. To what extent do you find yourself thinking and talking about stuff that you've done at work? Because if you are, there's signs there that you're not quite ready to let it go, and that needs a bit of work as well. Yeah, I've, I've done some work with people. Sorry, Nigel, you go. I was just saying, you were asking how could people get in touch with us. Um, our email addresses are very similar. It's either Cannings at retirementlifeplan.com or Nigel Pacey at retirementlifeplan.com. And we offer a number of options for people, but we're very happy uh, if people just want to give us a call, get in touch, have a chat about what might or might not be suitable for them, what they're struggling with, uh, how we might be able to help. Um, yeah, happy to talk to people anytime. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Nigel. That's great. And, and I'll put those in the show notes as well so people can, um, can get in contact with you via your email addresses as well. And right. um, and just really to reiterate what you were saying, and you know, I've worked with um, with a few people who it's been very clear that they haven't been ready yet, and mm. that has actually been really quite challenging. So I think that's where you know the help and support that you can offer, I think, is is really important. Um, so you mentioned earlier that um, that you do um, a workshop that you could do a, a two hour workshop um, and some one on one coaching as well. And I know there's some corporate work that you're doing as well. But um, so. Just in a few bullet points, what services and how do you specifically help people? So if we focus on the, the, the short workshop, because that's how a lot of people start out in this and that's how a lot of people start doing this, this journey of planning and preparation. So in there, it's very interactive. So we'll actually be in there. We tend to go through these four key um, elements that we know about, which is around identity, around um content and structure of life and around relationships and we just do some preparatory exercises no one ever finishes the exercises that's not the idea the idea is to start the exercises for some people that's all they'll need they'll see that they'll think about it they'll launch they'll take themselves off they'll talk to someone like you they'll talk to colleagues or family and friends and that'll be it for them so we've had you know quite a few people at the end will say things like Oh, I had the finances sorted, but I'd never, never even gave it a thought about the work colleagues and the relationships or what my partner might be doing or, you know, what purpose is in life. So we've got some short exercise. That's the interactive bit. We expect people to go off and do something with it. The coaching, suggest, no, well, I'll let Nigel talk about the coaching. No problem. Yeah, the coaching, I mean, obviously, Anne and I have. Um, all of this stuff in the back of our minds. And in a coaching programme, we would want to make sure that we'd covered the bases with each person that that it seemed like we're going to be appropriate to them. It's not a it's not a regimented thing. We do this session one, session two, session three. It's it's very flexible and we work according to what needs people are bringing to us. So we know that this might be an issue for some people. Um, and if you don't mention it in coaching, we might just test out with you whether it's an issue for you or not. And we'll do that with all of the things that we have in the back of our minds. But the coaching is driven initially by what, whatever the need is that you're presenting to us with. Um, and that might be practical or it might be emotional, it might be psychological, um, whatever it is. Uh, and we'll try and work around that. And, you know, we talk about... Um, a programme of six coaching sessions. It's kind of standard in our industry that uh, we, we do a series of six sessions to begin with. That's partly because you've got to build a relationship with someone and very often it can take two or three sessions in to build the kind of trusting relationship where people are ready to really open up as to what they're worried about. So you might deal with practicalities in the first two and then and then they say, oh, well, actually, what I really want to talk about is this. And, you know, it may be that they come to us with an issue that's really critical for them. And we might have to spend one, two, three sessions dealing with that before we then move on to other things that we know are important as well. So it really varies, but it's driven by the needs of the, the person who's coming to us for coaching. 
Brilliant. Thank you for that. And also, um, I know you're doing some work, um, obviously pre-COVID, but um, uh, some sort of corporate yes. <laughs> versions of this as well, obviously, before uh, before yeah. COVID-19 came along. But uh, So do you want to expand on that a little bit? How does that work? Yeah. So, again, it's, it's looking at it at some different levels. So we haven't talked about the in-depth program, which is where we really spend a lot of time taking all these different elements apart. So in terms of corporate work, it tends to be um, a shortened version of the workshop that we do. And that's often a taster. So sometimes that's just part of an employer's event. You know, they're going to wheel in their pension provider, they're going to wheel in occupational health, they're going to wheel in us. Uh, and we get a little bit of session. And again, it's to just encourage people to think about these things. Have you thought about these things? And from that, some employers will want to take a longer program. And that, again, these are bespoke, but typically it could be a day, a day and a half, sometimes two days. The world is a bit strange at the moment we're recording this, so all these things are changing. Um, and there we will take a much more transitionary approach. So we'll be looking at what is it you're leaving behind, what sort of person you are, the values, the meaning. Uh, we'll also be doing a lot on the retirement vision. Uh, where are you going with this? And these are all things you can do in coaching with us as well. Um, so actually, what does that look like? And then there's that interim bit. What's in the middle? Because that's the bit you're going to be doing next. So what we'd be encouraging you to think about is, don't think about the bit you're going to do next. Think about where it's going. And I would say it's a bit like walking out your front door in the morning, think, I'm about to go on holiday, but you've no destination in mind. So whether you turn left or right outside the front door really doesn't matter, except, of course, it does. And if you've no destination in mind, every move is unplanned and independent, as it were. So we really get into some of that stuff. So and we do some coaching work as a result of working with corporates as well. So individuals sometimes sponsored by their employer uh, to pick up the coaching. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you both. Thank you so much for your time this evening. It's some great information there. And I know it's going to help an awful lot of people that are coming up towards the end of the service. I know how I felt. I deal with a lot of people and help and support them. But I think you offer something I can't really, you know, I, I can help people in terms of finding new careers. And I'm going through that and been through that many times myself. Um, you offer the next stage and the next step, I think, and particularly around mindset, particularly around, um, you know, the support that's out there. Um, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. Great. Take care. Speak to you again soon. So huge thanks from me to Anne and Nigel for their time today. Some great information there, particularly if you're coming towards the end of your service or you're having to leave early as a result of ill health. Some stuff there that will really, really help you. What's really frightening as well is that people spend more time planning their holiday than they do their retirement. That really is quite concerning. I'll leave their uh, email addresses within the show notes. And uh, if you like what you've heard, then please leave a review, hit five stars and subscribe. And don't forget, you can join the private Facebook group at www.bluelightleavers.com. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye for now.